Leviticus 15 podcast, where you'll receive Bible study tools and tips in just 15 minutes. Hey there, welcome to the Focus 15 podcast. I am your co-host, Katie Orr, and I'm here with my husband, Dr. Chris Orr. Live from Studio 6B. A.K.A. our basement. Yeah, that's what the B stands for. <laughs> we had to wait a little while because... As soon as we got, we like, the kids are not here. We were able to like, not have to like bribe them with. You mean with, threaten them. Yeah. With, you need to be quiet because we've got to do podcasts. Like we were able to just, just do it. We didn't have to put a movie on or do anything like that. That was until. Until. The lawnmower started. The lawnmower started. So, um, yeah, somebody's outside cutting the grass, which we're so grateful for. But it always seems like they come right when I'm about to do a video. Yeah. But anyway, but we are glad you're here and glad you're listening. And today, this is episode four, season three, and we are going to be answering the question, what do I need to know about Proverbs? Wait, Proverbs? Yes. Oh, man, I got to study other stuff What? Now. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, Proverbs. We did Psalms a couple episodes back, and we're going to continue down the wisdom literature. So if you, I didn't realize this for a very long time. I mean, I certainly didn't grow up realizing that the Bible was put together very purposefully. I mean, I knew the words were full of purpose, but I didn't realize that the that there, the, there are certain books that are like one another that are grouped together. And so you've got Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. And Job, which goes in front of Psalms. Yeah, sorry. I should have started with Job. Yeah. We're going a little out of order, but all those, those five books are put together, and those are known as the wisdom literature. So we are going to cover all of the wisdom literature in season three. Yeah. I'm going to pass it over to you, Dr. Orr, and let us know what do we need to know about Proverbs. So one of the things that's kind of cool about Proverbs mm -hmm. is that we know pretty sure who the authors are for most of them. And as we look at the first 29 chapters, so Proverbs has 31 total chapters that it's broken down into. The first 29 were written originally by Solomon, or Solomon collected them, adapted them, and, and grouped them together. Um, uh, the 30th chapter is written by a guy named Eger, and then the first half of Psalm 30, uh, Psalm there we are again. Proverbs 31 <laughs> is written by a guy named Lemuel. Lemuel. And there's not much known about Lemuel or Agur, but we know a lot about Solomon. How do you know it's not Augur? Um, actually, I don't know that. Yeah. There, I, there, there's Augur. We used Augur for plates in microbiology. <laughs> is that spelled that is the same? A, yeah, A-G-A-R. It's it's this is A-G-U-R. Oh. Yeah, I that's why I didn't say it. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. So, also totally not to be confused with, like, the, the boring instrument that you can bore post holes with, A-U-G-E-R. It's also not, that's oh, not this guy. boring, like, like, like boring a hole. I thought you yeah, meant boring, like. Like me on Sunday mornings. So, um. <laughs> You're not boring. Yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> so, we don't know a whole lot about Agur or Augur uh, or Lemuel uh, or Lemuel. We don't know a whole lot about them other than the fact that they're, they're uh, credited with writing these proverbs, but the lion's share of these proverbs were written by Solomon, and Solomon we do know about. Mm -hmm. So Solomon was uh, well. Let me let's put this in quiz form. Okay, uh -oh. what was uh, what was his office? He was a king. He was a king. That's right. King of Israel. That's right. Now, do you know wh which number king he was? 
Number three. That's right. So you have Saul and then David. And of course, David, we covered a little bit last time that we were in the, what do I need to know about Psalms? Mm-hmm. Um, David is Solomon's father. He passed the throne on to Solomon. So Solomon is ruling Israel during the Golden Age. At that time, Israel was one of the dominant uh, world powers mm-hmm. on the on the scene. They didn't have any wars while Solomon was king, so he had peace from all his enemies, which if you're going to be a leader for 40 years like Solomon was, that's a pretty good pretty good little perk, pretty good bonus, mm-hmm. pretty good time to be king. So while Solomon's king for those 40 years, I think it was 971 to 931 BC, you have peace, you have a lot of wealth mm-hmm. because Israel as a dominant player on the world stage was also able to trade fairly freely with some of the other uh, nations that surrounded them, was able to offer protection in some cases and get offered tribute in return. So Solomon, in addition to being extremely wise, was just stupid wealthy. I mean, he mm-hmm. he had money and he had so much money, he just didn't know what to do with it. And so Solomon, uh, as a guy who... Um, you know, I kind of have this theory about rich people mm-hmm. that all What's of us, that? all of us are weird, uh-huh. but most of us, oh, I've heard this yeah, most of us me. can't afford to indulge our weirdness. Yeah. You told me what yours was once. I think you told the whole congregation. I think I did. You? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, yeah. So if I was, if I was like just stupid wealthy, I would never wear a pair of socks twice. Like that fresh <laughs> out of the bag. Cause I, I'm, you know, we're, we're pretty uh, frugal. And so I, we are pretty frugal, but I will say this. We just got. A new, uh, what is it? I don't know. You tell dresser me. in our bedroom. Yeah. Like the very first piece of like really nice furniture that we've ever bought for ourselves. Mm-hmm. But all that to say, he has a whole drawer of socks. Two, two drawers, actually. And then like had enough yeah. for another drawer. I don't know where you were hiding all those socks. So because I had after a bigger he, drawer last time. That's what it was. was yeah. <laughs> he must have had a gigantic drawer. He has so many socks. Yeah. So, so <laughs> Which like most of those were bought for him. Yeah. So <laughs> most so let's say that you were like really into high end bowling balls. Well most people, you know <laughs> like my dad. Uh, well, I don't want to name names. Uh <laughs> most people, you know, you have the budget for like maybe three or four. But when you're stupid wealthy, I mean you could have like four hundred and people wouldn't really know that about mm-hmm. you unless you really had the means to indulge that sort of oddity about you, you know. And so you walk in somebody's house and you're like Really? Like a whole wall? Like 400 bowling balls? Like, I would never put that in my... But when you're, like, just really wealthy, I mean, you can collect whatever you want. Well, Solomon was a collector of wisdom. He collected wisdom from uh, the surrounding areas, and he was a a collector of these poetic utterances. And in in many cases, scholars think that he would take these things that he had heard, heard from other people and other sources, and he would fashion them in such a way that was more true and more poetic and really more timeless. Mm -hmm. And so that's what a lot of our proverbs that we have today are. So he was a collector of wisdom, like a, like baseball cards or collector cards, socks, socks, bowling bowling balls, balls. wisdom. Which am I going to choose? Yeah. So he was, he was a collector of proverbs. So that's what we know about the background. Cooks? Yes. People to cook for me. You can't collect people. That's outlawed outlawed by the constitution. Really good food. I'd have a whole like. How about how about you would you would? Uh, like, I'd collect restaurants. 
collect <laughs> restaurants. So I wouldn't have to do that, and I could just have it like that. Anything that I ever wanted to eat. Yeah, you, like the real health, like, like you, you know, to, healthy stuff. But yeah, then but also you don't have some, to collect those things. You can just buy it. You can so, just, yeah. like, buy it, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Things kind of yeah. got a little dark there. Yeah. <laughs> um, we in no way advocate owning people or collecting them That's not what I was at all. saying. I know, but this is this is social media. I mean, this is going on social media. You never know. Uh, oh, my so, goodness. Okay, yeah. so we've got that out All right, so that's the background. The author. What about the audience? Did we talk about the audience yet? Well, so the audience, the great thing about this wisdom literature is because a lot of these things are timeless principles, um, they can be just as helpful now as they were a thousand years before Christ when Solomon is collecting them and writing them down. And so the the audience is fairly broad. I mean, it's pretty Mm -hmm. much anybody that reads it can benefit from it. Uh, But it's not like Solomon was writing a letter like Paul did in the New Testament. It's not that he's writing that, Mm -hmm. um, writing to an audience. I mean, he's just kind of collecting them generally for the benefit of anybody who wants to love wisdom. Okay. So author, audience, and then aim. What was the, I guess the purpose was to impart the wisdom? Yeah. So the whole, I would say the grand theme of Proverbs is the wisdom of God. Wisdom, Mm -hmm. wisdom of God in a practical way for life. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of themes that, that fall under that grand umbrella theme. So you'll see things like marriage, parenting advice, mm-hmm. money, uh, work ethic, all sorts of sub themes, but mm-hmm. all of it's wisdom for life. All right. Uh, well, what are some warnings when interpreting, maybe some interpretation notes? Cause yeah, I think, especially those of us that are coming out of the Psalms, there's a lot in there that it's like, what does this mean? Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of that in the Proverbs, too, where you read it and go, does that mean what I think it means? And then others that seem real cut and dry, but then when you actually try to apply them to your life, you're like, wait a second, the Proverbs told me this. Why didn't this happen? So what are some warnings? Okay, so I would say that the the biggest warning is this. Proverbs are intended to be general principles not guaranteed promises. Hmm. See what I did there with the GP? Very nice. GP Very pastor nice. thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. So if you were to read the Proverbs as if they were just guaranteed rock solid promises, you probably would be a little bit disappointed. And here's an, here's an example. So Proverbs 22, 6, one of the most common parenting ones mm-hmm. in, in the Bible Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, old he will not, he will not depart, depart from, from it. it. Mm-hmm. So you might read that and say, wait a second. Um, I know I've got a friend that, you know, you know, th- their parenting was great. Mm-hmm. You know, this kid was just a knucklehead. Mm-hmm. And so did God, did the word of God fail? Was the mm-hmm. proverb inaccurate or, or what happened here? Well, keeping in mind that these are general principles. Generally, if you raise your kids up in the fear and wisdom of the Lord, they will have that to fall back mm-hmm. on later in life. Whereas if you don't, you can't expect that they will automatically come mm-hmm. into the knowledge and wisdom of the Lord. Right. So generally, that's going to be true. Generally, that's a great principle to to, to live by, to raise your kids by. Uh, however, it's not guaranteed in all situations. Just, you know, there are... Uh, I mean, just thousands and thousands of examples. You know, people that that fall into these categories, mm-hmm. and and sometimes the the parents are great, and the kids just are the knuckleheads. Sometimes it's the parents that are the mm-hmm. knuckleheads, and the kids mm-hmm. turn out great despite their upbringing, <laughs> um, kind of like our kids. So oh. <laughs> um, the uh, so general principles. Another one, and you could do this with so many of the the mm-hmm. proverbs. But so another one I'll bring up 
Proverbs 12, 11. It talks about uh, the one who works his land will always have plenty of bread. Oh. Mm-hmm. So generally, if you have the work ethic to work the land, if you're a farmer, it's going to produce and put food on your table. But there's all sorts of examples in, in the Bible, uh, in the Old Testament in particular, where a famine came about, and it wasn't mm-hmm. because of the lack of work of the farmers, because lack of rain. Yeah. And so, generally speaking, if you have the work ethic, you will be able to produce. But there's even times, and if you're not a farmer, where you work really hard, but something happens out of your control, and all of a sudden you can't provide for your family anymore. Yeah. And so, generally speaking, the one who works is going to be able to eat. But there are cases where people who don't work very hard get paid a lot of money, and mm-hmm. people who work really hard aren't able to provide. Generally speaking, though, if you will work, God will provide, you know. And so, again, general principles, not guaranteed promises. Very helpful. That was helpful for me to hear. I don't remember when it was exactly, but I hadn't heard that. And there was lots of things in the Proverbs that I had read. And I thought, well, it should be this way. Why? I'm I'm black Mm. and white. I like the to-do list. So to hear that you can't interpret everything in, especially remember, we're talking about the wisdom literature. There's poetry involved. There's imagery involved. It's not a black and white facts thing like Acts, which is a story. Like not, a, it's a real story. Mm-hmm. It, it is. It, it's a. It's history. It's it's a history book, and we should read it as it. It's black and white. These are facts. This is what happened. This is who lived. But this is different. So we want to come to the wi- wisdom literature with those glasses on of this is poetry. I need to, just like when I listen to, I wish I could think of a song right now that's so, that we all kind of know of that you we would probably have to pay like the copyright. Yeah, really. But you know, it. we all know that there's imagery in it because, you know, it's something culturally that's going on. But if you looked at it literally, it'd be like, what? That's, that's weird. Or like total eclipse of the heart, right? Uh, that's the exact yeah, thing I was going to say. We just had the eclipse when we listened to it. So a total eclipse of the heart, that doesn't make sense. But if if you'd never heard that song before, we played it for our kids the other day, and it was kind of funny. They were looking at us like, you're weird. But yeah. anyway, that literally doesn't make sense, a total eclipse of the heart. But figuratively, we all know what that means. Mm. So, Yeah, and I think Solomon, if he were standing here, if he were on our podcast, we couldn't get his booking agent. You know, it just <laughs> would not work out. But if he were here, he would say, look, I never intended him to be promises. They're mm. like rock solid guaranteed yeah. in every situation, but general principles. Yeah, so. All right. Well, do you have any last words or Yeah. Tips? So, yeah. So here's some tips for you as you are studying through uh, the Proverbs. One is that so often we talk about context. Context mm-hmm. is king in most situations. Proverbs is a little bit of a different story because one of the things that you do contextually to help you out, help you figure out what's being taught is you look before and after. Well, so many of the Proverbs are self-contained units. They're like so, little tweets. That's right. It, or or uh, fortune cookies. Yeah. And so looking before <laughs> and after may not help you. And so mm-hmm. just know that this is a little bit different than most of your narrative, most of your uh, epistles in the New Testament, that these are self-contained units. And so context may not, the, 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 liter- the literary context may not help looking before and after in the passage. Mm-hmm. And when you say before and after, you mean? If you're going to come in on John 5, 2 or something, you need to read John 5, 1 and maybe even yeah. John 4 as well and then as the, the rest, rest of the chapter, of the chapter yeah. to understand the context of, of what, what it was being said, just like we wouldn't take a nugget out of a, an episode 
like a soundbite of a TV episode and figure out what, what went on that day. Yeah. You know, my dad had a canny. He was very, he always walked in on like the worst part of it. We'd be watching like Saved by the Bell. Okay. Saved by the Bell. And he would walk in on the one episodes that they're talking about something. You kissing, know, it's, you know, like, no, you know, it's he, one. He walks in. It's right, when Jesse was on the cast. Yeah. It's when she's on. Yeah. And, and so he'd walk in right when she's like down in the pills or something. He'd be like, what are you watching? That's garbage. You know, like. So that's an example of you walk in in the wrong moment and you can totally think that something is not what it is. So, anyway, so same thing with the Bible. Yeah. So uh, another one would be when you're studying through the, the Proverbs and you really want to grasp what it's teaching about like marriage or parenting or handling money. A great way to do it is what we would call systematically. Pick out all the places where it talks mm-hmm. about that theme mm-hmm. in the book. Group them together and then read through it in a way that it kind of gives you a bigger picture. One mm-hmm. of the things that we always would, would tell you to be cautious about is always interpret the unclear passage of Scripture through the clear. Mm-hmm. If you were to go in and you were to take an unclear proverb and make a, a big doctrine about out of it or, or make a central core doctrine out of that one thing in opposition to what the rest of Scripture teaches, mm-hmm. you're, very, you're in a very precarious situation, very dangerous situation. Yeah. It's so much better to, if you don't understand what it means, let the rest of the pro- less, rest of the proverbs on that topic inform how you interpret that proverb and the, the rest, rest of the counsel of, yeah. of God as well. Yep. All right. Good stuff. Thanks, Dr. Orr. I'm so excited, and I just can't hide it. <laughs> I'm so excited. No, we, have, we can't sing it. <laughs> we'll have to pay licensing. Oh, goodness. All right. Well, that's another episode of the Focus 15 podcast. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you've enjoyed these tips, share it with a friend. To learn more about Chris and Katie and the Focus 15 ministry, go to Focus15.com. Have a great week.